Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It gets wildly hot in Chicago and the kids go, wilding we're gonna talk about that nefarious pat you saw it this weekend so we're gonna discuss it more in depth than what we did last week after i saw it on premiere day and well uh the budweiser ceo speaks out and we've got some thoughts all that and a little bit more coming your way on today's critical thinking Good Monday to you all. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. And you know the drill by now. You can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Or you can watch us every single Monday through Friday on the Rumble page, rumble.com backslash critical thinking, rumble.com backslash critical thinking. Hopefully you guys are enjoying that. Um, we love bringing it to you every single day. But... Um, it was an interesting weekend here in Chicago, Pat. Uh, a very interesting weekend for mo- a multitude of reasons. Um, uh, did you stay inside? No, no. Why would I do that when it's 85 degrees out, Pat? Well, because mayhem. See, this is part of the problem. Uh-huh. Okay. People who do not live here in Chicago assume Chicago is just downtown Chicago. That that is not the case. Okay, quite literally, the mayhem that took place was almost four miles from where I live, Pat. I'm I'm still another six miles from the northern part of the city limits. For some people, that's a little too close to home. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's put it this way, Pat. Um, At no point in time during this weekend did I notice any sort of an issue. Mm. Why? Because the city is bleeping huge. Now, that being said, um, this is a phenomena that needs to be dealt with. This is organized mayhem, okay? This isn't just people wilding, as they like to call it these days. This is organized chaos. This is organized activity. And yes, organized chaos. These people are out there doing this on purpose 
with a purpose. And our mayor, the mayor-elect, the Chicago interim superintendent of police, all three of the people that, I don't know, should have some sort of um, leadership, right, when things go south. Because, look, you can't... You can't preemptively worry about all of these things all the time, right? You, that's just an impossibility. That That is anti-human, right? You're not going to get to everything before it happens all the time. That's just not how this works. It's not how this is going to go down. But Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who, yes, is on her way out of office, but apparently has the biggest case of senioritis I have ever seen, Brandon Johnson, the mayor-elect, the socialist mayor-elect, the union hack, uh, and, and let me be clear on this, the teachers' union hack, and the ineffectual moron that is the police superintendent, the acting police superintendent, had basically nothing to say. In fact, right now, um, we still have no statement from the superintendent of police. And it's Monday morning. Um, I don't know if you've seen my Twitter feed over the weekend. But both what went down and what took place in reaction to what went down is some of the dumbest bleep I have ever seen. And... Like I said last night on Twitter, there are two choices. Either there is change that is demanded or get the hell out. Because this summer is going to be awful. Based off of what we just saw from the very first weekend of warm weather. Now, the ironic part of all of this is that this stuff is taking place after dusk, right? These... You know, people getting together at Millennium Park, which is one of the largest parks in the city and one of the most iconic parks in the city. Um, But during the day, this city was absolutely vibrant. The beach is full of people, you know, just enjoying the first nice weather that we've had since, you know, uh, being cooped up in our homes for the vast majority of winter, right? And you know the feeling because you guys have winter, albeit probably as mild, if not milder, than we have it. Um, but once the spring and summer really hit, it's like, poof, I got to get outside. I need to enjoy myself. I don't need to be cooped up in my house anymore. It went from that to absolute total mayhem and total chaos, not just on Friday, but also on Saturday to the point, Pat, where they were... Um, tipping up bridges, meaning the cops were literally taking bridges uh, at the on the Chicago River, dividing the north and south part of downtown from each other, and tipping them up so that people could not um, cross the river, shutting down service on the Brown Line and the uh, Red Line in and out of downtown, and they saw none of this coming except for all of it was organized online through social media, flyers that are out there, Instagram, Snapchat. Do they just not TikTok. take them seriously? 
That's a good question for the superintendent who is not answering a damn question as mm. of Monday morning. But for those of you who did not um, see this, I want you to understand what took place this weekend before we talk about the reactions of Mayor Lori Lightfoot, of Brandon Johnson, the socialist teachers union hack that is coming into office, and um, the media, and the political class by and large. There's about one or two of the aldermen, of the 50 aldermen that we have, or older people, older persons, that actually stood up and said, oh, hell no to this. The rest of them managed to find excuses, managed to talk about root causes to this pet. <laughs> Now, what you just witnessed there, Pat, is the aftermath of the f second half of the video, okay? That is one vehicle that was, uh, it, this person had stopped at a stoplight, okay? Mm. And he had stopped near the crowd that was <clears throat> wilding, if you will, okay, in the neighborhood. Mm. And this is at 31st Street Beach. So there's a viaduct, as you can see in the background. And then after the viaduct, you're getting closer to the actual beach. And there's parking spaces and all this other stuff, right? Yes, Chicago has beaches, by the way. They have some fantastic beaches, by the way, um, on the lake. And people were gathering. Okay, but it's after dark. You're really not supposed to be on the beach after dark, by the way. that That's something that uh, the police are supposed to clear off. Um, but... All of that notwithstanding, this individual had stopped at a stoplight probably about a half a mile from here, okay? Gotten his car stolen. Then these individuals put this vehicle in the middle of the road and began stomping on it, began destroying the vehicle, um, just going bat nuts crazy on it, and lit it on fire. Cops did nothing, no arrests, no nothing. Why? Because you're not, you're not supposed to be able to arrest for violations of curfew, violations of um, ordinances, only if it's actual criminal. Oh, wait, they Grand were stopping on the car. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, all of that notwithstanding, right? All of that happens on Friday night. It was utter mayhem. Oh, and by the way, as this was going on, um, two, if not three people, confirmed to possibly a third person, shot at that same location. All of them teenagers, by the way. N did any of them look like adults to you, Pat? No. Okay. <clears throat> what do you think the response on social media was to this? Probably some kind of racial thing? No. No. God, no. No. Okay. No. Um, although part of it, part of it was racial. Part of it was racial. What about, um, what about uh, most, guns? Mo n n n no. Okay. No. No. Most of it is um, we are failing the kids because they, they don't have anything to, 
do in a city of three million people? And, and because all because all of the things that you would suggest that they do to hang out with each other um, cost money, apparently. Except for no, no, they don't. Going to the beach. Yeah, that's what they were <clears throat> doing. They they were at Thirty First Street Beach. Well, um, have they ever thought about? I don't know. If they don't have money. Get a job. <laughs> um, you know, are you suggesting? Just... Are, wait, 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 Pat. Are you suggesting that people that don't have anything to do, yeah, as teenagers would, yeah. um, you know, and they don't have any money, could could yeah. I don't know, work a part time job, yeah, and and earn some money, stay yeah. out of trouble, and and then go have fun with their friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, look, exactly I'm not suggesting don't go downtown. I'm not suggesting go don't go to the beach and have fun with your friends. And oh my God, scary teenagers hanging out downtown. That's who cares, right? Good, good right. for you. You're right, hanging right. out with your friends. Great, grand, wonderful, awesome. What we all did. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure none of us did that. Well, right, but I'm just saying, like, we got jobs. We went and rode around with our friends. Went to parties, you know, had some fun, you know, went to, I mean, sporting events, you know, like, like, you know, Wrigley Field and uh, whatever. That costs money, Brad. That costs money. Huh? That costs money. Well, yeah, I'm, well, I'm saying that you get a job, you could actually pay for those kinds of things. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But remember, the city of Chicago owes you everything. No, they, don't. they don't owe you a damn thing. They don't owe you a damn thing. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then, um, you would think after seeing this, right, seeing the absolute, we're talking probably about three to 400 people involved in this, Pat. Yeah, that's 300 to 400 arrests, in my humble opinion. Uh, you would think so, except for you can't by Chicago um, rules. See, restorative justice, Pat, and, um, and, um, Defunding the police. Remember, Brandon Johnson is is all about police reform and root causes, not just arrests. Y'all are back ass words. See, mm -hmm. yes, yes, you are correct. Brandon Johnson, you would think would have I don't know seen this and gone um, unacceptable and arrest them all. No, no, I'm guessing he didn't do that. No, I mean, number one, he's not the mayor right now. First, when does first he actually month. take office, by the way? Uh, sometime in May, I believe. Okay. Like late May, early June, somewhere in there. Okay. But it's neither here nor there. As the mayor-elect, you have the responsibility to be able to help, I don't know, um, at least steer the conversation, right? I was going to say, you, have at least, you at least have influence, right? All right. Um, leadership. Your words can matter, right? Especially right. because you're, uh, um, I don't know, black, right? And you're told to us, at least, that, uh, that that matters, that representation matters. And that you clearly know what these people are doing and going through and you feel them, right? One would think so, yeah. Okay. Well, that was Friday night, Pat. <clears throat> 
you would think maybe they might have been prepared, right, for Saturday night because Saturday night was equally as warm. It was in the 80s again. Um, but I present to you this. Are you on Citizen or no? I am. <laughs> Look at him. Your thoughts there, Mr. Padoni? Since uh, well, I mean, again, most of them look like kids to me. Um, that that, that because they are shooting. There was mayhem chaos and one thing i i also noticed is you apparently don't have enough cops really yeah you sure about that yeah or if you do have enough cops you have you don't have enough cops that um aren't able to act in the way that they need to in these situations because, you know, of reform and defund the police and all that happy fun stuff. Hmm. Would it, would it also surprise you that, um, the Chicago police had no plan in place for Saturday night? No, no, it wouldn't surprise. I mean, it, it looked like that too. It wouldn't. Would, would it surprise me. you that on that Saturday night, Mm -hmm. Um, it was unclear who was in charge from a structural standpoint in the Chicago police response. No, no, that, that wouldn't surprise me either because, you know, that's what exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Leadership. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You know how long it took them to figure out that they should probably, I don't know, um, put the bridges up, stop the L traffic and, and all that stuff. You know how long it took well, them to figure that out? Uh, after it was too late. Well, be, yes, of course, but um, it took them at least 45 minutes after this stuff was beginning to happen for them to figure it out. Mm. Not because they didn't know what to do, right? That it was clear that the people on the ground knew what to do. It was unclear who in the actual hell could make that call because there were at least four different district commanders involved. And, oh, the superintendent wasn't there either. That would have been the easy call. Oh, you mean the superintendent of police is here and he is telling us to do these things? We do them, right? <coughs> Did that happen? No. Now, 
Um, we're talking about jumping on buses. We're talking about jumping on cars, shootings, you know, beating each other up, beating other people up all over downtown. Now, I, I will also say this. Largely, unless you are taking in a Broadway show or some of the um, the restaurants in that area, on the weekend, that part of downtown Chicago, known as the Inner Loop, okay, that part of it is really dead at night. Like, there's not a lot going on there. Um, you know, there's the like I said, the theater side of things, but you're inside the theaters. So, it. It's not uncommon for these people to take over these areas that are largely unguarded, if you will. Not unguarded, but just they're desolate at, at this point in time during the day. Uh, people are just not there. You would see a very different situation during the middle of the day on any day inside the middle of the loop. But I'm going to ask you one question, Pat. Do you see this as... a cry for help from these people? Or do you see it as people looking for attention and a culture of destruction? Or do you see it yeah, as something completely different? I, I, I see this as something of the latter. That that's exactly what it looked like. I mean, because it, you you brought up in the beginning how this was planned chaos. It, yeah, well, you know, I, don't, you know, I wanted to take the chaos part back, but this was planned mayhem. Okay, right. This was right, absolutely right. coordinated. This is a hundred percent the reality, and the the failure of our police department to. Do the basic monitoring of social media for things like this, right? Like if it's as simple as this, right? If if we if if a bunch of Muslim terrorists, right, were advertising that they were going to shoot up or bomb the Art Institute or the Bean in Millennium Park, right? If they were going to if they were advertising the Muslim population of Chicago to activate and get down there and you know, cause a riot, right? And they failed to check that. And like, it was easily known, right? Th th would this not be a different story? Well, this is the utter failure of the police department, the utter failure of our city leadership on any level. Because us as citizens, what are we supposed to do? This, the, we have no control over being able to stop this. The only way that we could have controlled this from that perspective would have been some sort of mass citizen, thousand person citizen gathering in counter to this, right? But would that have actually been productive? No, it would have caused even more chaos, more mayhem, more destruction, more violence, right? That's what would have happened. Citizen on citizen confrontation. Uh, that ain't good. And and I hearken back to the scenes of the, of the summer of 2020, Pat, where it was absolute, utter destruction, chaos, mayhem, planned 
organized activity by, yes, quote-unquote a minority, but it uh, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it, if it was 200 people from the north side, would it matter? No. They're organized criminals. These people are not interested in being law-abiding citizens. Well, they're not allowed to walk and hang? Sure, absolutely you are. A hundred percent. Nobody would give two craps, right? Nobody would. Except for when I see 300, 400, 500, 1,000 people gathering in a very specific location um, and then literally just walking up and down the streets, taking it over, that's not just hanging out. That At that point in time, you are causing mayhem. I, I just... What are we doing as a society? This, this is... For me, a combination of the, the two. This is some people crying out for attention and help, right? Some people having nothing to do. Some people having nobody at home. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to read you the response to this from Brandon uh, CTU Johnson. Quote, In no way do I condone the destructive activity we saw in the loop in the lakefront this weekend. It is unacceptable and has no place in our city. However, it is not constructive to demonize youth who have otherwise been starved of opportunities in their own communities. Our city must work together to create spaces for youth to gather safely and responsibly under adult guidance and supervision to ensure that every part of our city remains welcome for both residents and visitors. This is one aspect of my comprehensive approach to improve public safety and make Chicago livable for everyone. Unquote. Yeah, uh-huh, Mr. Padoni. What what opportunities exactly do these kids not have? Well, I, I will say this, okay? Mm -hmm. Throughout the 2010s, one of the things that they had problems with, and, and this is the other side of the sword, if you will, okay, the other edge, right, is that those opportunities existed in the 2010s. Those opportunities existed in the 2000s. They had park district things. They had, um, you know, all the basketball hoops available to them. They had, you know, activities in the park and all this other stuff. But what so was taking place? Mm. Shootings, gang activity, right? All of the sort of things that we're seeing on the streets of 31st Beach and downtown in the Loop on Saturday. Mm. Mm -hmm. So what did they do in response to that? They began to take away the programming. They began to take down the nets and, and the hoops um, of these parks in problematic areas. Why? Because they were trying to discourage the amount of gatherings, the, the gang wars and the gang fighting and all this other stuff. There are more gang members in Chicago than anywhere else in the entire country, okay? More gang members exist in this city than anywhere else. And that includes Los Angeles, which people think is the gang capital of the United States of America. You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong so much. I, I, I just don't know what to tell you. I really don't. Like I said, it, it seems like you have a <clears throat> police department where your local government is fundamentally tying their hands and their legs behind their back. Uh, you, 
you've taken away a lot of these um, quote unquote opportunities, activities for youth because of all the gang violence, because you, you don't have a, you know, the police department that you should. And then you, at the same time, the city expects like, well, well, what are we supposed to do about it other than sit here and do mayhem? Yeah. It's all, it's all backwards. And here's the problem, okay? Hmm. With the response of Brendan Johnson and Lori Lightfoot, which were basically the same, okay, is that it's not that, let's put it this way, it's not that there are not root causes that need to be addressed here, right? Sure. It, it is not that you can't have a nuanced view of this. It is not that, you, that we can't understand that there are, are root issues that have to be addressed. The problem is that you're only interested in addressing those root issues that took decades and decades and decades to get themselves to this point. We don't have decades and decades and decades as a city to be able to stomach this, to be able to handle this. We already see what? Hundreds of thousands of people saying bye-bye to this city every year to the point in which we have lost a congressional seat in the state of Illinois. In fact, 95% of all counties, whether they're rural, whether they're Cook County, DeKalb County, whether they're whatever county in this state, saw out-migration, saw the number of people leaving their county on a net basis be negative, in the last census, 95%. This isn't just a Chicago problem, although you could argue that Chicago's problems are the state's problems, right? And people in rural counties are trying to get out because they don't want to be responsible for the shit show that is Chicago politics and Chicago mayhem and Chicago taxes, right? Okay. I am all for attempting to address the root cause or causes or root issues. I'm all for that because I believe what? That is the way to long-term health and healing. But in the interim, Mr. Mayor, your words of I can't condone, okay, should be followed up with, and those who continue to do this in the future are going to be dealt with harshly, swiftly, and face justice. You are not just going to be able to do this and get away with it anymore. While we also attempt to deal with why these people think this is a fun thing to do on the weekend. But it's not just this. We also have the street uh, donut whatever crap that's going on that has killed people. Um, and what I mean by that is street racing where they're drifting and, and all this other stuff that have literally killed people and they're taking over major intersections doing this stuff. Again, I'm not saying don't build, you know, awesome street racing cars or, or whatever else. I'm not saying that. But um, when you're taking over major intersections of the city and you're causing property destruction and uh, people are being killed and injured because of it, yeah, then that's a problem, okay? I'm not saying don't enjoy cars. 
I thoroughly enjoy vehicles. I thoroughly enjoy classic vehicles and, and being able to race them safely. I don't know, on an actual racing circuit. Um, but beyond all of that, Pat, we also have the gang problems. We also, so this is an attempt by people to organize, right? To cause mayhem to cover for what else is happening. This is what happened this weekend that nobody has been reporting, whether that's WGN, NBC, CBS, ABC, any of the local news, any national news. This is how bad this got this weekend, Pat. The police was stretched so thin, so thin, Pat, that a homicide, that a actual killing never even got a response. By 4 a.m. on Sunday morning, they still had yet to show up. That was on the south side. A second shooting in which people were injured, nobody thankfully killed, also didn't get a response on the south side. Why? Because the police was stretched so thin already dealing with the mayhem down, downtown that the people crying and pissing and moaning about the fact that they don't get services on the south side anymore don't get serviced. So I don't want to hear the people who are excusing this. And I want you to, to hear the excuses, Pat. Sarah Karp, a reporter for WBEZ, the NPR station, one of the largest NPR stations, one of the most listened to NPR stations in the entire country, right here in Chicago, right? Um, when you think of um, Serial with Sarah Canning, right? The, the Adnan Syed story, right? That kind of that like repopularized uh, podcasting, right? That came out of WBEZ here in Chicago, okay? Sarah Karp. Yes, teens going to the beach or downtown on a beautiful night is not a riot and should not be a problem. These should be safe places, period. And also, that a fight or two broke out? Not good, but not the end of the world. These are teens with a million emotions and hormones. It is seriously scary that there were gunshots, but it is seriously problematic that so many people have guns. Yet gun violence is not just a problem among kids in the city. This is the common refrain from the left, from the... I don't even want to say the left. I should say the the white, woke left that exists on the north side and the suburbs of this city. The media in this city. This is the typical response. Oh, it's just a few bad apples, Pat. There are no social consequences. There are no legal consequences. Nobody was arrested, by the way, Pat. Nobody has been arrested in any of these things. That includes the people who were shooting, by the way. Then thirdly, we have the video of people stomping on cars and doing those things. Are the police attempting to take those videos and do anything with them? Nope. So we'll see what, what's going to happen here. I just, I, I fail to understand how this is going to be anything other than that. Other than a summer of mayhem, a summer of destruction. All right, so with that, Pat, as I'm looking at the time available to us here today, I think we're going to skip the B or not the B today because we want to get into our discussion on nefarious. We're going to also punt on the, the Budweiser situation. Maybe I'll put that into a truth or fiction 
uh, statement for tomorrow's show. That's right, t- Tuesday's Truth or Fiction on Critical Thinking. So, uh, yeah, if you've got a truth or fiction statement that you'd like us to take on, you can always hit us up on Twitter. I'm at The Coppin Show. He's at The Pat Oni Show. Um, that's where we're going to take our truth or fiction requests. Um, it's very simple. Put a statement out there, hashtag truth or fiction, and we will take a look at it and put it on the show, potentially. Otherwise, we're just going to go with our own truth or fiction statements. Uh, we would love for your interactivity with the program. All right, that being said, um, you saw Nefarious this weekend. I saw it on opening day here in Chicago. Um, let's start with this. Given what I had told you, did this movie live up to these expectations of what I had told you? Did you find the generalized description of what took place? Did you feel some of the same things that I felt going in, during, and after? Um, how did that all go down for you? So, yes, but I'm also going to say I I had a, a little bit of a different reaction. Um, I was one of two people in the entire theater, but mm-hmm. also understand this is in the heart of Provo, where horror movies, I, I would imagine, do very well, and neither does rated R do very well, probably in this area. Okay. So... Yes, it lived up to everything that you said it, it did. I would also even maybe even argue it exceeded some things for me. Okay. One of the one of the one of the bold statements I'm going to make here is that this is the best film of 2023 so far. Um and because of the messaging and really because of the performance um, by Sean Patrick Flannery and Jordan Belfi. I mean, I thought they were both fantastic in this movie. Sean Patrick Flannery actually had me convinced he was possessed by a demon. That's how good he was at this. All that said, for the hour and a half that I, you know, that, that the movie is, like an hour and 37 minutes, I think, is what the exact time. Hour and 38, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't think I could watch it again anytime soon, if at all. And the reason why I'm going to say that, I've had movies that have gotten emotional responses from me before, whether it be happy, sad, angry, joyful, what what have you. I've even had movies that, that move me, that inspire me. This shook me to my core. And that, I I don't know that I've ever had a movie do what this movie did to me. I walked out of there and it took me pretty much the rest of the day to come down from the emotions of this movie. Yeah, I I could see that because that's kind of the reaction I had, right? Like, and and that's why I talked about, and, and Maybe, I don't know if you were paying attention to the person that was in the theater with you or not, but when I talked about the people that were in the theater, right, nobody moved. There was no no talking, no, like, not even hearing people chewing popcorn, like, you know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> or digging into a bag of candy or whatever, nothing. I, I will say this. We both stayed till the very end of the credits. 
Okay. And uh, that that laugh at the end yeah, with uh, yeah. Sean Patrick Flannery. Uh-huh. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that was wow. Um, but no, he he never said a word to me nor I to him. Mm-hmm. Um, was I know that was that was a funny movie. thing too because my yeah. wife was like, "Oh yeah, did you talk to the other people? You know, maybe get them into your podcast or whatever." I was like, "Yeah, that yeah, this no. is this was not a let's discuss not, the not movie talk after." Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say this though, um, to your point, Pat, you know, I, I took the bus there and the bus back because it was just much easier. Um, <clears throat> I didn't say a word to anybody. I was in my own thought processes. Right. Um, I wasn't even paying attention to the podcast. I was in my earphones. Right. I was just using it to drown out kind of the noise around me. Right. Um, yeah, this was to your point. Uh, this took a long time to come down from, right? There was a lot to unpack mentally, emotionally from from this film. Um, I think for me, though, the, the scene in which... Um, is it Earl? Or Ray? The, 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 the guy, the actual guy. Which guy? Uh, the the one that Sean Patrick Flannery plays. Oh, uh, Edward. Edward, yeah. Sorry, Edward. Um, where Edward is taken over again by Nefarious, and he literally is going to choke the life out of Jordan Belfi's character. That that scene is in one case as violent as I've ever seen a scene as realistic as I've ever seen a scene, but also as well acted as I've ever seen a scene acted in a movie, because we watch Edward turn to nefarious in less than a split second. And that is impossible almost to do correctly. Right. And and we watch Jordan Belfi literally almost get choked out. Um, and that the, the acting from everybody else in that scene, right? Where we see the guards and, and everybody else. The, 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 that moment is the moment that captures me in that movie the most. Um, it's not the, the light bulb popping. Like I'm used to that in horror flicks, right? Like all that right. sort of stuff didn't really necessarily move me. It was the emotional parts of the movie. It was, it, that's the scary part of this movie for me. And that's why I struggled because I asked, I wanted to know if you thought this was really a horror flick worthy oh, no. of a rated R or if this yes. was just for me, a psychological thriller that isn't a horror movie in the way that people would think it to be. So, so this is a horror movie, but it's not a horror in the traditional sense. Okay. Um, and it is definitely worthy of the rated R rating. Um, specifically for one particular scene, and it's not even the choke scene. And um, and, and by the way, if you have not seen this movie yet, um, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, coming your way. Yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, Three, two, it's, one. It's the it's the execution. The execution uh, scene yep. was incredibly and, and hard. I told you that, right? I told yeah. you I was like, there's one scene in which I know why they gave this an R rating. Yep, and it was that one. Yep. It was that was incredibly hard to watch. Um, it was. I mean, again, you go. You he goes from Edward to Nefarious to Edward to Nefarious. Like, 
and, and then you see the suffering. Um, and it's just, and then and it's and the then, suffering of Edward, right? It's right. not the and suffering then, of of nefarious because he's getting out, right? He doesn't right. care. But and then the scene afterwards where um, he possesses um, James Martin, which is Jordan Belfi's character, yep. for for a moment, and he takes the the sidearm. And then, of the uh, detective, right? Yeah, yep. and, then, and then and then something miraculous happens. But it's and I don't want to I don't want to mention that because it just kind of it just really spoils it at that point. Um, but here you go. The, the, the most powerful part of the movie is that when he's at the end, he's interviewing with Glenn, and he all of a sudden he's from going from this atheist to at least on the track of believing in God. Um, you know, because he at least believes that, that, you know, nefarious was real. He was a demon. He's not necessarily acknowledging God yet, but he's well on the path to doing so. And, and that was, that was a powerful, powerful moment. And and it, it just goes to show you really one thing. God believes in you, whether you want him to or not. But so does Satan and so does his demons. And they don't so much believe in you so much that they believe that you are. Yeah. And yeah. then secondly, we the, the cultural war that we often talk about, the spirit of the age that we often talk about, it's a symptom of the spiritual war that we're in. And that war exists whether you like it or not. God, Satan, and his demons, they all exist whether you like it or not. And you have to choose a side. You have to choose because otherwise it will be chosen for you. Uh, yeah. And, and to your point, I think the execution scene, that entire scene is probably one of the best done execution scenes I have oh, ever yeah, seen in movie history. Absolutely. I totally like, 120% agree I, with that. The only other one I can think of is the Green Mile. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's what it reminded me of, actually. And it was better. It was much more well done. Um. I will say this. I think Sean Patrick Flannery deserves to be nominated for multiple, you know, actor of the year awards or, or whatever have you for this character. This is one of the greatest characters I have ever seen in terms of the acting, helping to um, fill the potential of the character on paper, right? Because there are a lot of potential great characters on paper that don't get there because either the actor isn't right or the the direction isn't right or the screenplay isn't right. This was screenplay, director, actor, cinematography, everything coming together to elevate not just the story, but to elevate every aspect of this to greatness in, in my view. And I, and all I will say is that I also love the fact that this ended and I'm not going to give away anything the way that every good horror movie ends. Right. I loved it. Oh yeah. And, it, and, yeah, and, and what I mean by that is, is that it ends the way that like, for instance, the Friday movies or Friday, the 13th movies or, or nightmare on Elm street movies. Right. Mm -hmm. or um, Halloween or whatever. They all end with a what, you know, a, a 
something more is coming type of a type of a moment yeah and it's absolutely perfectly done um i will say there's a few things that it's like okay this is a little bit of trope right this is a little bit of like whatever like the light bulb scene um for me was just a little bit too much hokey like i could have done that they could have done that differently right and but for me the fact that one two people can carry 90 minutes in a movie basically and have you enthralled this was brilliant speaks to the skill of both actors by the way because jordan belfie i mean sean patrick sean patrick flannery stole the show but jordan belfie carried fantastic almost as much as he did so and and the crazy part of all of this is that these guys ended up being really connected during this movie. They had never met each other prior to filming. They had never done anything together prior to this filming. And you listen to Jordan Belfi talk in the media. Um, his son was born the day before they started filming these scenes in the prison in Oklahoma. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he filmed and then went home to meet his son, Sean Patrick Flannery, a dad of two boys, they connected over over being a uh, a dad to a boy, right? And started telling these stories. And you can really see the connection between the two of them play out on screen. And they had never met each other prior to filming. They had never met each other until they were both in Oklahoma. Hmm. It's an incredible story. And there's so many incredible stories. The, the weather issues were real. They actually played into the fact that they were having these storms and the things that were going on. That, that was not part of the original script, allegedly. And they ended up playing into these things. So there was a lot of stuff that happened. We had the, the union uh, attempt to shut it down. We had all this other stuff go on. So it'll be interesting to see what took place um, behind the scenes that we don't even know about. Uh, things that we know about are apparently only scratching the surface of what took place. Uh, but yeah, I, it, did, it'll did be a long time before I see a movie that moves me in my soul the way that this one did, because yeah. this was a this was this was a great representation of fighting the spirit of the age, okay. and the spirit of the age is not going to care about whether you believe in God or not. It is going to make you believe in it, in it, and by believing in it, if you do not believe in God. Because this is the temptation of Jesus, right? And, and they talk about this in the movie, right? They, they literally tell you about the 40-day temptation. And, and Nefarious is talking about how we did this to Jesus, right? But what did Jesus do? He, because he had the, the spirit of his father, right? The, the spirit of God within him. He was able to, to turn it down. And the message is what? That the, that the spirit of the age is going to come for us all. But it is those of us who have the ability and the tools to fight it through our belief, through our faith, through our um, understanding of God and our community of God, right? That we would be able to fight it. We are given the tools by God to be able to fight that spirit of the age. But we are also told in the Bible, and it's part of Judges, it's part of um, the story of Joshua, right? Um, That... God is going to take names, right? God is going to say, if you if you turn away from me, I'm turning the spirit of the age on you. And in Judges, right, the spirit of the age is captivity. The spirit of the age of the story of Moses, right, is the captivity of Moses and the Israelites in Egypt. 
and then leads them from that captivity. It is both literal and allegorical in terms of telling us that the spirit of the age is going to, if you allow it, if you turn from me, the spirit of the age is going to take you over and I'm going to hand you over to the spirit of the age until you come back to me. And I thought that was an interesting play within this within this movie is how they're they're speaking to all time and right now. But with that being said, Pat, do you have any final thoughts on the movie? Uh, just one question, really. Did, did you catch Steve's cameo or anecdote in the movie? The anecdote. So it, it was a cameo, but I, I call it more of an anecdote because he wasn't actually in the movie himself. Right. But there was yeah, a there's, a, there's a part in which they're talking about one of his books, right? Well, no. So if, if you remember the scene where um, Jordan Belfi wants to make a phone call, he's talking to the guard. Oh, yeah. And then on the computer screen, you see Steve's picture. <laughs> so I just thought that was just kind of funny that, they, oh, my God, there's, there's Steve. <laughs> no, I did not, did not catch that. Yep. All right. So with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show? Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. Get out of Chicago and then go see Nefarious. Please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals, and if you have an abundance, give to others. As always, Matthew 547.